There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into our Thursday edition of the podcast. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh. We're preaching this on Wednesday before we go to the house of God on a Wednesday night. Thank God for our midweek service. Thank the Lord for the strength that it brings me, the help that it gives me. It's not a doctrinal affair. I know the rebel balks against these things. Where do you find evening service in the Bible? Where do you find midweek service in the Bible? Well, I'll tell you where you find it. When the Word of God told us that so much the more as you see the day approaching, that's where you find midweek service. That's where you find special services. Not just because I'm an evangelist, but I've always sorrowed over the fact of churches that have no special services. Uh, they might meet on a Sunday morning, possibly midweek service, every once in a while a Sunday night or two, and but they never have a special service. Well, he said, there's so much the more. What are we doing? We're looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. Men are waxing worse and worse. We're in the middle of a great falling away. How much more we need the house of God. I thank God for the midweek service. Looking forward to tonight, what the Lord will do in our midweek service. But this is Thursday on the podcast. We're going to be in Psalm 124, Psalm 125. Try to look at two Psalms today with the Lord's help. Both of these are a song of degrees. Psalm 124 is a song of degrees of David. So again, we know David is the psalmist here. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, and there's a colon there, and so this is a continual sentence, but again, we see sentences within the sentence. For he said, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us, colon. Then the waters had overwhelmed us, the streams had gone over our soul, colon. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. End of sentence. Five verses. So again, we see the beautiful grammar of the English language. You see the beautiful punctuation of this King James Bible. It is right. It is accurate. It's a continual thought, but each one of those thoughts is a standalone thought within that thought. And so the psalmist, as he writes this psalm of degrees, and he gives us understanding of this, he gives credit to the Lord. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. And I want to thank the Lord. He's on our side. I want to thank the Lord. He was on Israel's side. That's what this psalm is about. Why? Because they were the chosen of God. God didn't choose them because they were the greatest of people. That's Deuteronomy chapter 8. He chose them because they were the least of people. He chose them because they were the least of nations. He chose them because they were the smallest of nations. That's why God chose them. They were the seed of Abraham. When they came into that land, the Jebusite, the Amorite, the Hittite, and a couple other tribes, or at least two other tribes there. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he mentioned and said that they were greater than Israel, yet God was going to deliver them into Israel's hand. Why? Because the God was on their side. The Lord was on their side. And we see that. Who should we fear? Why do we fear? What are we looking for? If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, 
If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us. And that's the defense that only God can give. That's the safety that only God can give. Not just safety in the physical sense, which a lot of people look at with that, but it's safety in the spiritual. When men rise up and forge a lie against us, the Lord is our help. When men rise up and are deceivers, the Lord is our help. When men rise up and try to do harm to the ministry, the Lord is our help. The Lord is on the side of those that love him. Verse 3, then they had swallowed us quick, but the Lord was on their side when their wrath was kindled against us. Why didn't they swallow them up quick? Because the Lord was for them. And if the Lord be for us, who can be against us? Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The streams had gone over our soul. But again, the Lord was on their side. And don't ever forget that. God was on their side. God was their deliverer. He was their protection. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. But again, the Lord was on their side. And so when you feel overwhelmed, you feel low, you feel like you're about to be overthrown, you need the Lord on your side. And then he said, blessed be the Lord who hath given us as a prey to their teeth. So again, the Lord is a good God. He's a faithful God. He's a faithful Lord. And I want to look at something here. I'm going to cross-reference this, but it's one of those things kind of dear to me. Something the Lord gave me about 10, 11 years ago in evangelism. I've used it many times since. But in verse 7, our soul has escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we are escaped. And so we look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 for that. And he said in verse 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. This is a ministry verse. This is for those uh, seeking God's will for ministry, seeking to labor amongst men, seeking to do the will of God concerning uh, laboring over others. But he must be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. He must be. That servant of the Lord, he's going to have to be patient. He's going to have to learn patience. He's going to have to be apt to teach. Why? Because men need taught. There's instruction. And by the way, it's not always biblical instruction. There are people that just need life instruction. There are people that don't know anything about finances, anything about character, anything about morality, anything about decency, modesty. Then you get into the things of the word of God and holiness and godliness and contentedness. And, you know, and people need instructors. That servant of the Lord must be prepared to do those things. But before everything else, he must be gentle unto all men. That's where that word gentleman comes from. Uh, he's not going to be a brute. He's not going to be cruel. He's not going to be hard, unduly hard on men. Yes, he's going to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. That's how it's done. There are words that, especially shallow or carnal people, are going to take to heart and think it's personal. They think, oh, what a mean-spirited person. If I had a dollar every time I heard that, I'd be quite wealthy. Oh, he's just got a mean spirit, or he's just... He's a tough spirit, which I don't find that in the Bible anywhere. It just sounds like good theology to people. They make up theology. And, oh, he's such a gentle spirit. Well, it doesn't say anything about a gentle spirit. It just says he needs to be gentle unto all men. He could be as rough as a cob. He could be as tough as an old badger, but he needs to be gentle unto all men. How do you handle people gently? You don't handle them roughly. You handle them gently. You can speak to them with a gravelly voice and bloodshot eyes and hair sticking out of every pore in your nose and... And it looked like a wild man come out of the desert and eating locusts and honey covered with camel's hair, but be gentle unto all men. What does that mean? You're going to handle them with gentleness because you're a servant of the Lord. You're going to tell them the truth. They say, oh, the truth is mean. Well, if the truth is mean, then you need to adapt to the truth. You need to accept the reality that you can't handle the truth. Hey, Amen. I'm not trying to be Nicholson. It's just the reality. You can't handle the truth in that. 
if God, and this is the key, if God peradventure, so what's God going to do? Well, he says on this wise, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So there are those that absolutely oppose themselves, but that man of God in meekness, he never defends himself, he never defends his meanness, he never defends his gentleness, he never has to defend his character, he just takes a stand on the word of God. And so in meekness, he's going to stand against those that oppose themselves. He's going to do that with all meekness. He's going to do that with all long-suffering. He's going to do that with all doctrine. Why? Because God, peradventure, will give them repentance, the acknowledgement of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So he said they're in the snare of the devil. That's what the psalmist is talking about here, the snare of the fowler. And we've been taken out of that snare. God removes that snare. And peradventure, what is that? Maybe God will do it. Maybe God won't do that. But peradventure, God will remove that snare. They can walk out of that snare, escape that snare, and then they can be free as this bird is free in Psalm 124. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Who broke the snare? The Lord did. The Lord broke that snare. And I know there's a wrestling. Is this God's people? Is this lost people? And again, like the prodigal son, I don't care how you look at it. You can look at it as a saved person, lost person, Israel, Gentile, backslid, son of Jacob, son of Isaac. You can take this to the umpth degree and say this is the 13th descendant of Noah on the fourth side of his mother's family. And I wouldn't have a disagreement with you about that. But peradventure, God give them repentance. God needs to give them that. Re- well, then they can recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. They can walk out of that snare. They can get out of this. They can look and go, hey, the snare is broken. I can get out of this. But then that fool returns to his folly, just like that dog returns to his vomit, just like that hog returns to its mire. And so the child of God, in a situation like that, walks out of that snare and does not return to that snare. They've escaped that snare. Why? Because our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And if you're snared in something today, Snared in your own deceit, snared in your own bitterness, snared in the folly of your life, snared in perversion, snared in uncleanness, snared in ungodly relationships. It's going to take God to get you out. God is the only one that's going to get you out, especially a bad relationship. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about this dating boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, this little Christian uh, mingle nonsense that goes on. And Oh, I'm just snared, snared in a bad relationship, snared in an ungodly fellowship, snared beyond belief. Yet it's going to take God to get you out of that snare. And if God will get you out of that snare, God forbid you return to that snare. And so the Lord is good. We praise his name because the Lord is our help. He is our only help in this. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, why would God get us out of a snare? Because he's on our side. He wants what's best for us. And he wants to receive the glory from it. And I believe if you get out of a snare, you ought to testify about it. You ought to rejoice. It's, it might, it does, listen, you don't have to go into the details. It might be a horrible shame. But you can just say, you know, the Lord has gotten me out of a snare. The Lord has gotten me out of a terrible snare of bondage. I was about to be destroyed by the devil, but the Lord came and broke that snare and delivered me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Bless his holy name. Psalm 125, a song of degrees, they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. That's one of those verses that kind of captured me earlier this morning, looking through this passage and look over these verses numerous times throughout this day. And I just kept looking at that one verse, 
They trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion. What? Mount Zion is stable. Mount Zion is there. Mount Zion is not going anywhere. Mount Zion is God's holy mount. It belongs to God. God has his hand upon Mount Zion. God has his protection upon Mount Zion. God's eye is to Mount Zion. Glory to God, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. So he that is in Christ also abideth forever. That's eternal life, which is in Jesus Christ. He gives that to whosoever will. And that eternal life abideth forever. That's the work of God. That's a deity of God. That's a work that only God can do. You might be looking for an experience, might be looking for uh, a little epiphany, flashing lights, revolving uh, sunsets, sun moving back 12 degrees. I don't know what you're looking for, but you know what you're looking for? You're looking for a work of God. That's what your desire. That ought to be your desire. A work that you cannot define in yourself, but to know it was a work of God. To know that God's hand was upon it. It was not of yourself. It was him. That's for saved folk, lost folk alike. He said, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. There is safety in God's mouth. There is protection in God's mouth. There is protection as there is in Zion for the saints of God that trust in the Lord. And if you'll trust in him, he will put that hedge about you. God will absolutely surround you. God will put you in his will. God will put you in his safety. God will put you in his protection, and you'll abide forever there. That's the will of God. God does that for every repentant sinner. And so when the wicked do come and they rest the, uh, that, that rod upon the lot of the righteous, it's going to fail because the righteous man put forth their hands unto iniquity, God forbid. God forbid the righteous man uh, take the lot of the wicked man. God forbid a righteous man take the cup of the wicked and perform wickedness, and perform iniquity, and go into a life of sin when God has delivered him from that life of sin, God forbid. In verse 4, do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. Now, the psalmist is requesting that. Could we not say that you and I could be upright in heart? It's one of those fables of today that man cannot be upright in heart. We must sin. We must Sin every day in word, thought, and deed, and the foolishness that accompanies that type of doctrine. No, we don't get saved under licentiousness. We don't get saved under live for self. We don't get saved to do our own thing and to, to, to perform our own deeds. No, we get saved a life of holiness. God separates us unto himself, not from himself, unto himself. And because God separates us unto himself, we can be upright in heart. But it's a desired position. It's a practice position. It's a willful position. You have to long to be upright in heart. You have to be willing to be upright in heart. You can't let iniquity come in. You can't let sin come in. You must be upright in heart. As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. But peace shall be upon Israel. So he said there were some that turned away from their from their ways. They turned away from God's ways. They turned into their wicked ways, their crooked ways. And the Lord led them forth with the workers of iniquity. They'll be judged just like the workers of iniquity. Now, today in this church age in which we live, and I realize we're looking at Psalms here a little bit different, this day in which we live, you and I be judged for our deeds, done things done this flesh, our works done this flesh, whether they be good or whether they be evil, we'll be judged for those things. There'll be loss of reward for those that have done evil. That's just the reality of the word of God. There's no excuse, though, to be carnally minded as enmity with God. 
And we don't want to have that carnal mind. We don't want to be out of sorts with God. We want to walk with God, find God's favor. But peace shall be upon Israel. And oh, what peace there is upon Israel. Tomorrow, Lord willing, Psalm 126, 127, we're going to talk about that peace that today is even upon Israel, but more so that peace that is about to come upon Israel in the days to come. Would you have a great day? There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.